Section 31 of Slave Narratives, A Folk History of Slavery in the United States, from Interviews from Former Slaves. Volume 11. North Carolina Narratives, Part 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Florence Short. Slave Narratives, A Folk History of Slavery in the United States from Interviews with Former Slaves. Volume 11. North Carolina Narratives, Part 1, by Various. Aunt Betty Coffer, ex-slave of Dr. Beverly Jones. Negro Folklore of the Piedmont. The ranks of Negro ex-slaves are rapidly thinning out, but scattered here and there among the antebellum families of the South may be found a few of these picturesque old characters. Three miles north of Bethania, the second oldest settlement of the Unitas Fratrum in Wachovia, lies the 1,500-acre Jones Plantation. It has been owned for several generations by the one family, descendants of Abraham Conrad, Conrad's daughter, Julia, married a physician of note, Dr. Beverly Jones, whose family occupied the old homestead at the time of the Civil War. Here, in 1856, was born a Negro girl, Betty, to a slave mother. Here today, under the friendly protection of the same Jones family, surrounded by her sons and her son's sons, lives the same Betty in her own little Weatherstain cottage. Encircling her house are lilacs, althea, and flowering trees that soften the bleak outlines of unpainted outbuildings. A varied collection of old-fashioned plants and flowers crowd the neatly swept dooryard. A friendly German shepherd puppy rouses from his nap on the sunny porch to greet visitors enthusiastically. In answer to our knock, a gentle voice calls, Come in. The door opens directly into a small, low-ceilinged room, almost filled by two double beds. These beds are conspicuously clean and covered by homemade crocheted spreads. Wide bands of handmade insertion ornament the stiffly starched pillow strips. Against the wall is a plain oak dresser. Although the day is warm, two-foot logs burn on the age-worn andirons of the wide brick fireplace. From the shelf above dangles a leather bag of spills made from twisted newspapers in a low split-bottomed chair her rheumatic old feet resting on the warm brick hearth sits aunt betty coffer her frail body stoops under the weight of fourscore years but her bright eyes and alert mind are those of a woman thirty years younger a blue-checked mob cap covers her grizzled hair her tiny frame clothed in a motley collection of undergarments dress and sweaters is adorned by a clean white apron although a little shy of her strange white visitors her innate dignity gentle courtesy and complete self-possession indicate long association with quality folks her speech shows a noticeable freedom from the usual heavy negro dialect and idiom of the deep south yes ma'am yes sir come in pull a chair to the fire you'll have to excuse me I can't get around much cause my feet and legs bother me, but I got good eyes and good ears and all my own teeth. I ain't never had a bad tooth in my head. Yes'm, I'm eighty-one going on eighty-two. Marster Dunn wrote my age down in his book where he kept the names of all his colored folks. Ma, mother, belonged to Dr. Jones, 
but poppy belonged to mars israel lash over yonder pointing northwest yiglins always went with their mammies so i belonged to the joneses ma and pappy could visit back and forth sometimes but they never lived together till after freedom yes'm we was happy we got plenty to eat marster and old miss julia dr jones's wife matriarch of the whole plantation was mighty strict but they was good to us colored folks on some of the other plantations wasn't so lucky some of em had overseers mean cruel men on one plantation the field hands had to hustle to get to the end of the row at eleven o'clock dinner time cause when the cooks brought their dinner they had to stop just where they was and eat and the sun was mighty hot out in those fields they only had ash cakes corn pone baked in ashes without salt and molasses for their dinner but we had beans and grits and salt and sometimes meat i was lucky miss ella daughter of the first beverly jones was a little girl when i was born and she claimed me we played together and grew up together i waited on her and most times slept on the floor in her room ma was cook and when i done got big enough i helped to set the table in the big dining-room then i put on a clean white apron and carry in the vittles and stand behind miss ella's chair she'd fix me a piece of something from her plate and hand it back over her shoulder to me eloquent hands illustrate miss ella's making a sandwich i'd take it and run outside to eat it then i'd wipe my mouth and go back to stand behind miss ella again and maybe get another snack yes'm there was a crowd of hands on the plantation i mind em all and i can call most of their names mac curly william sanford lewis henry ed sylvester hamp and juke was the men folks the women was nelly two lucys martha nervy jane laura fanny lizzie cassie tensie lindy and mary jane the women mostly worked in the house there was always two washwomen a cook some hands to help her two sewing women a house girl and some who did all the weaving and spinning the men worked in the fields and yard one was stable boss and looked after all the horses and mules we raised our own flax and cotton and wool spun the thread wove the cloth made all the clothes yes and we made the men's shirts and pants and coats one woman knitted all the stockings for the white folk and colored folk too i mind she had one finger all twisted and stiff from holding her knitting needles we wove the cotton and linen for sheets and pillow slips and table covers we wove the wool blankets too i used to wait on the girl who did the weaving when she took the cloth off the loom she done give me thrums ends of thread left on the loom i tied em all together with teensy little knots and got me some scraps from the sewing room and i made me some quilt tops some of em was real pretty too pride of workmanship evidenced by a toss of betty's head all our spinning wheels and flax wheels and looms was handmade by a wheelwright mars noah westmoreland he lived over yonder a thumb indicates north those old wheels are still in the family i got one of the flax wheels miss ella done give it to me for a present leather was tanned and shoes was made on the place course the hands mostly went barefoot in warm weather white shillings too we had our own mill to grind the wheat and corn and we raised all our meat we made our own candles from tallow and beeswax i spec some of the old candle moles are over to the house now we wove our own candle wicks too 
I never saw a match till I was a grown woman. We made our fire with flint and punk, rotten wood. Yes'm, I was trained to cook and clean and sew. I learned to make men's pants and coats. First coat I made, Miss Julia told me to rip the collar off, and by the time I picked out all the teensy stitches and sewed it together again, I could set a collar right. I can do it today, too. Again there is manifested a good workman's pardonable pride of achievement. Miss Julia cut out all the clothes herself for men and women, too. I expect her big shears and pattens and old cutting table are over at the house now. Miss Julia cut out all the clothes and then the colored girl sewed them up, but she looked them all over and they better be sewed right. Miss Julia bossed the whole plantation. She looked after the sick folks and sent the doctor, Dr. Jones, to dose them and she carried the keys to the storerooms and pantries. Yes, I'm, I'm some educated. Ma showed me my A, B, abs and my numbers and when i was fifteen i went to school in the log church built by the moravians they give it to the colored folks to use for their own school and church this log house is still standing near bethania our teacher was a white man mars folks he had one eye done lost the other in the war we didn't have no colored teachers then they wasn't educated we attended school four months a year i went through the fifth reader the North Carolina Reader. I can figure a little and read some, but I can't write much because my fingers are all stiffened up. Miss Julia used to read the Bible to us and tell us right and wrong, and Ma showed me all she could, and so did the other colored folks. Mostly they was kind to each other. No, I don't know much about spells and charms. Of course, most of the old folks believed in them. One colored man used to make charms, little bags filled with queer things. He called them jacks, and sold them to the colored folks and some white folks, too. Yes'm, I saw some slaves sold away from the plantation. Four men and two women, both of them, with little babies. The traders got them, sold them down to Mobile, Alabama. One was my pappy's sister. We never heard from her again. I saw a likely young feller sold for fifteen hundred dollars. That was my uncle Ike. Mars Jonathan Spees bought him and kept him the rest of his life. Yes'm, we saw Yankee soldiers. Stoneman's Cavalry in 1865. They come marching by and stopped at the house. I wasn't scared because they was all talking and laughing and friendly, but they sure was hungry. They dumped the wet clothes out of the big washpot in the yard and filled it with water. Then they broke into the smokehouse and got a lot of hams and boiled them in the pot and ate them right there in the yard. The women cooked up a lot of corn pone for them and coffee too. Master had a barrel of liquor put by and the Yankees knocked the head in and filled their canteens. There wasn't area a drop left. When we heard the soldiers coming, our boys turned the horses loose in the woods. The Yankees said they had to have them and would burn the house down if we didn't get them. So our boys whistled up the horses and the soldiers carried them all off. They carried off old Jenny Mule, too, but let little Jack Mule go. When the soldiers was gone, the stable boss said, If old Jenny Mule once gets loose, nobody on earth can catch her unless she wants. She'll be back. Sure enough, in a couple of days she come home by herself and we worked the farm just with her and little Jack. 
some of the colored folk followed the yankees away five or six of our boys went two of em traveled as far as yadkinville but come back the rest of em kept going and we never heard tell of em again yes em when we was freed pappy came to get ma and me we stayed around here where could we go these was our folks and i couldn't go far away from miss ella we moved out near rural hall some five miles from bethania and pappy farmed but i worked at the home place a lot when i was about twenty-four mars r j randalls come from virginia and set up a tobacco factory he fetched some hands with him one was a likely young feller named coffer from patrick county virginia i like him and we got married and moved here to my folks the jones family we started to buy our little place and raise a family i done have four shillings but two's dead i got grandchildren and great-grandchildren close by this is home to us when we talk about the old home place the jones residence now some hundred years old we just say the house cause there's only one house to us the rest of the family was all fine folks and good to me but i love miss ella better than anyone or anything else in the world she was the best friend i ever had if i ever wanted for anything i just asked her and she give it to me or got it for me somehow once when coffer was in his last sickness his sister come from east liverpool ohio to see him i went to miss ella to borrow a little money she didn't have no change but she just took a ten dollar bill from her purse and says here you are betty use what you need and bring me what's left i always did what i could for her too and stood by her but one time that was when we was little girls going together to fetch the mail it was hot and dusty and we stopped to cool off and wade in the branch we heard a horse trotting and looked up and there was master switching his riding whip and looking at us get for home you two and i'll tend to you he says and we got but this time i let miss ella go to the house alone and i sneaked round to granny's cabin and hid i was afraid i'd get whooped another time miss ella went to town and told me to keep up her fire while she was away i fell asleep on the hearth and the fire done burnt out so's when miss ella come home the room was cold she was mad as hops said she never had hit me but she sure felt like doing it then yes am i been here a right smart while i done lived to see three generations of my white folks come and go and they're the finest folks on earth there used to be a regular burying ground for the plantation hands the colored shillings used to play there but i always played with the white shillings this accounts for aunt betty's gentle manner and speech three of the old log cabins slave cabins is there yet one of em was the boys cabin house for boys and unmarried men they've got walls a foot thick and are used for storerooms now after freedom we buried out around our little churches but some of the old grounds are ploughed under and turned into pasture cause the colored folk didn't get no deeds to em it won't be long fore i go too but i'm going to lie near my old home and my folks yes em i remember mars israel lash my pappy's master he was a low thick-set man very jolly and friendly he was real smart and good too cause his color folks all loved him he worked at the bank and when the yankees come stead of shutting the door against them like the others did he bid em welcome betty's nodding head 
expansive smile and widespread hands eloquently pantomime the banker's greeting so the yankees done took the bank but give it back to him for his very own and he kept it but there was lots of bad feelin' cause he never give folks the money they put in the old bank possibly this explains the closing of the branch of the cape fear bank in salem an opening of israel lash's own institution the first national bank of salem eighteen sixty six i saw general robert e lee too after the war he come with some friends to a meetin at five forks baptist church all the white folks gathered round and shook his hand and i peeked tween their legs and got a good look at him but he didn't have no whiskers he was smooth face pictures of general lee all show him with beard and mustache miss ella died two years ago i was sick in the hospital but the doctor come to tell me i couldn't go to her baron i sure missed her poignant grief moistens betty's eyes and thickens her voice there wasn't ever no one like her miss kate and young miss julia still live at the house with their brother mars lucian all children of the first beverly jones and old miss julia but it don't seem right with miss ella gone life seems different somehow though there lots of my young white folk and my own kin living round and they're real good to me but miss ella's gone good day ma'am come any time you're welcome to i'm right glad to have visitors cause i can't get out much a bobbing little curtsy accompanies betty's cordial farewell although a freed woman for seventy-one years property owner for half of them and now revered head of a clan of self-respecting self-supporting colored citizens she is still at heart a jones negro and all the distinguished descendants of her beloved mars beverly and miss julia will be her own folks as long as she lives End of section thirty one